Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. Where you can master the art of enriching your life. What kind of kindergarten shit is this? And finding a path to financial freedom. Who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? So sit back, relax, and step into the Rich Room. You know I can't help these cause they know they can never touch these. So baby, let me talk my shit or I might just go another feed. Welcome to the Rich Room Podcast, y'all. How the hell are you? I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. I want to go ahead and apologize for the lateness of this podcast episode. I have no one else to blame but myself for my tardiness because I am a one-woman show. I'm doing the prep, I'm doing the recording, I'm doing the post. And if I was on the wagon of eating right and not drinking and exercising, I've been fully off the wagon while I've been in New York City. But sometimes you just gotta let it out. You gotta let your hair down. It's about 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and your girl is in the Big Apple. I've had to take the subway around because Ubers just seem out of the question. The major issue that I have with driving in New York City is people who block intersections with their vehicles. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's always some car that is attempting to get through the intersection, but the traffic is so backed up ahead of the vehicle going through the intersection that there is no way that the vehicle is going to make it through. And they know it because the traffic is so backed up and not moving, but they don't fucking care. They just sit their little happy ass in the middle of the intersection with no remorse, allowing traffic in the perpendicular lane to just back up and back up and back up. I don't like it. So... I'm in town for my businesswoman meeting. Oh my God, I'm in the businesswoman meeting. Have y'all seen that movie, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion? Me and Madison watched it recently and she loved it. I love that movie. I'll have the businesswoman special. I don't know if I'm doing that very well, but good attempt. In addition to my first fitting for my apparel brand, I also attended a financial literacy workshop for women business owners put on by the James Beard Foundation. I am very determined to get a hold of my financial habits. This just worked out that both events could happen in the same week. 2024 is already looking fucking good. So the workshop was obviously geared towards the hospitality industry, but honestly, nearly all of the information provided worked for multiple industries. I got involved with this workshop through my friend Tressie, who owns a fantastic restaurant in Biloxi, Mississippi called The White Pillars, with her husband, Austin, who is also a killer chef. So they are all up in the hospitality world, and Tressie knew that I am very determined to change my life, which for sure includes getting knowledgeable about finances. And the James Beard Women's Workshop was right up our alley. It was really inspiring to see a large group of women who are all determined and motivated to building their own businesses and bettering their lives. Basically, there's a shit ton of alpha females in the room and Cat Williams would have been uncomfortable. Having all of these women around me, that kind of energy is very contagious. We had so much fun, but I gotta get something off my chest. Blowing your nose in a room full of people is not acceptable, in my opinion. 
If you are about to blow bugs, you need to step out the room. Also, cover your fucking mouth and nose when you sneeze. This is really more geared to people in an airport. It's like COVID never happened. It's like we never went through a pandemic. Like, how could y'all fucking forget how to sneeze? Every time someone sneezes within my vicinity, I have a visual in my head of those sneezing models that were on that were shown on the news when they were trying to encourage people to wear masks. The model had like all of these tiny particles that spread out at a fast rate, potentially infecting the people around the person with bad sneezing form. And even though the particles are invisible in real life, I feel like I can see them when someone sneezes because I keep visualizing that model from the news during the pandemic in my head. It's not a great feeling. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I highly doubt it. Speaking of airports, did y'all hear about that Alaska Airlines flight where apparently part of the plane fucking blew off? There's a video circulating social media from that flight. All of the passengers are in their seats, but there's a big asshole in the plane and the oxygen face masks were deployed and everyone had them on their face. I looked it up and the plane was a Boeing 737 MAX 9 and apparently a panel from the left side of the plane blew completely off while the plane was in midair. How fucking terrifying. I also read somewhere that Alaska Airlines offered everyone on the plane $1,500 in compensation. Mm, just a little tip. If you were on that flight and you cashed that check, you're most likely not going to be able to file a lawsuit because you essentially settled the lawsuit by accepting the $1,500 check and cashing it. But in my opinion, $1,500 isn't enough, especially for the person who was sitting next to the big fucking hole. I'm going to need a little more money than that. Damn, that seemed very terrifying. But everyone made it through. And it propped an airlines to check all of their other planes, meaning that flying might be a little bit more safe now. You know, I often feel highly misunderstood. I often feel like I'm not good at communicating my feelings. Like it is hard for me to articulate how I'm feeling. I don't know if this next story has anything to do with it, but it sure as fuck didn't help my feelings of being misunderstood. When I was in seventh grade, I had the absolute meanest English teacher. Oh, let's call her Miss Casey. Miss Casey, for lack of better words, was an absolute bitch of a teacher. She was downright fucking mean and should not have been teaching children. Do we give personality tests to public school teachers before they are hired? Like, I feel like that couldn't hurt. I feel like I see way too many stories of teachers doing something nefarious. And I'm wondering if that could be avoided. So, one day, I'm sitting in Miss Casey's class, and I sat like maybe second from the front. The class was watching the teen news show Channel One. Now, the students were supposed to stay quiet during Channel One and not talk. I'm sure you all have discovered by now, I'm a tad verbose and long-winded. I can fucking talk. But I'm also a rule follower, for the most part. I generally do not like breaking rules because I do not like getting in trouble. So, of course, I wasn't going to talk while sitting in my 7th grade English class and watching Channel 1 because that was the rule. That being said, if I'm going to watch Channel 1, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm pretty sure this has already been established, but I really, really like music. And on this particular day, Channel 1 was playing like an intro package or an outro package to go to the Channel 1's version of commercials. Do y'all remember Channel 1? Is that what it was called? I'm pretty sure that's right. 
So, in this little, like, outro package, there was music playing. And the song that was playing was Tainted Love by Soft Cell. One hit wonder, but still a bop. So the music is playing on the Channel One outro. And it's the part that goes like, whoa, tainted love. So the chorus, basically. And I tend to know the lyrics to songs. When I find a song I like, I become very obsessive and listen to it over and over again. Also, I just happen to pick up lyrics pretty quickly. Not to mention, everyone knows the song Tainted Love. So, the song starts playing, and I don't sing the part that goes like, ooh, Tainted Love, but I'm sitting there by myself, vibing, and I hear the song, and so I start mouthing the words, and like, kind of like, like, dancing in my seat a little bit. So I'm not singing, I'm not talking, I'm not even making a sound, and if you were looking at me, you wouldn't even know what I was doing. I was simply enjoying myself watching the damn Channel One Teen News, mouthing the words to a song. Minding my own damn business. Well that joy, well that pure joy was quickly taken away and replaced with embarrassment and shame because I mouthed the words, oh, tainted love, remember, no sound, and Miss Casey raced over to my desk, slammed her hand on my desk, squatted down to get in my face, and screamed at me to stop talking. I was stunned, and I was definitely not going to challenge her and tell her, actually, you mean fucking ass bitch. I didn't say shit. I was mouthing the words, trying to enjoy my damn morning at Bioview Middle School, which is hard as fuck. Oh, and I got pants pretty embarrassingly last year, so I'm not trying to bring any attention to myself, but please, Go ahead and jump to a conclusion and speak to a 13-year-old like a fucking cadet at boot camp. She for sure embarrassed me. My face got super red and hot. My pits also got so hot to the point where they felt like itchy. There are so many people who should not be educating our youth. I had a lot of teachers like that who were tough and unkind. But it's probably very hard to be a teacher. That ain't an excuse, though, to treat people poorly. Man, I have no idea where that mean old bitch Miss Casey is these days, but I hope she's gotten some therapy that she clearly needed. I wonder if she knew she was wrong, but too proud to tell me she made a mistake. It baffles me that people generally are unwilling to apologize or acknowledge when they did something wrong. Miss Casey was wrong. I was not talking during Channel One. I was vibing. But this kind of aggressive, mean, boot camp-like style does not work for me. And it does not work for a lot of people. Definitely not our kids. So the first part of the Southern Charm reunion aired and there was a bit of a bomb dropped by Mr. Shep Rose. After denying Taylor's affections all season, Shep says at the reunion that the happiest he's ever been in his life was when he was with Taylor. What in the actual fuck, Shep? Taylor literally tried to get back together with him on the last episode of the season. Now he's saying he's going to marry her? Jeez. JT has a little guy crush on Craig. He even did his hair the same way as Craig for the reunion. Let me tell you, Craig has had the biggest glow up of Southern charm. People made such fun of him, most of all Shep. Craig was just trying to live his best life with his sewing machine and his embroidery machine and everybody made fun of him, even his girlfriend. Even all of his friends made fun of him. He made a little bear one time for his friend for her baby shower and every single person made fun of him when she opened it because there were mistakes on it. 
but he did not let that shit deter him. Now, he has an eight-figure business with 30 employees. He gives them fucking health insurance, which is more than I can say for my first attorney job. So, yeah, Craig, you're doing great. Keep it up. I cannot believe that Chef said that he and Taylor would be married if their relationship was not on the show. For the first time ever, Shep seems down on himself. Like, he does not seem arrogant, he seems very defeated, and I almost feel kind of bad for him. Taylor has a new boyfriend, apparently. And it seems like now that Taylor is happy and has moved on now from Shep, that's when Shep wants her. That's just not fucking fair. So Shep told Andy that he wanted to say something to the group. He is basically admitting that he has a problem with alcohol after having a blackout weekend while at BravoCon. It is good that Shep is admitting that he has a problem. That is the first step, but Craig said that this has happened 17 times already and also indicated that he is not friends with Shep anymore. Admitting that there is a problem without changed behavior is pointless. Shep said that he just doesn't take shots anymore and he quit drinking liquor and all he drinks is beer. That's not enough. There are plenty of people with alcohol problems who just drink beer. These little negotiations that you have with yourself is not enough. I truly thought that Shep Set was going to say that he was going into treatment. I think everyone has to realize at some point that they need to adjust their relationship with alcohol. Shep is 44. Age is just a number, but we also have a finite amount of time on the planet in this life. Well, I hope he can get it together. Watching himself this season must have been very difficult for him because he did not present well. So Taylor is dating Gaston. Let me just say, that is the best name ever. And if you Google Gaston from Southern Hospitality, you will see that his parents appropriately named him. He's fine. He just happens to be roommates with TJ on Southern Hospitality, which is a different show. And apparently, Gaston is hooking up with Sally, who is also seeing Joe. Good lord, these people are crazy. Trauma. Trauma everywhere. So I had a lot to do to prepare for my trip to New York City because in addition to going to New York, I'm also traveling to New Orleans immediately after that. One errand that I needed to accomplish was getting taps, like from tap shoes, put on my majorette boots that I had purchased to walk in the Chewbacca's parade in New Orleans. I will admit... It has always been a dream of mine to walk in a Mardi Gras parade, specifically walking with some sort of dance troupe, because probably my favorite part of Mardi Gras are the school bands and the dancers. I fucking love that shit. I will just be dancing in the crowd trying to do the moves with the girls. It is so energetic and everyone is having the absolute time of their life. So I'm sure you can imagine how excited I am to be walking in this Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans on Saturday. I've had to learn some dances, and I had to get a specific outfit. And I'm mostly excited because my daughter is also walking in the parade with me. So are my sister and my brother. So it's a whole damn family affair. The other day, I went to this cobbler in Miami to get taps installed on the boots that I had ordered. I called beforehand and asked whether it was possible to put taps on these shoes, and the man on the phone told me yes. So I go to the shop, and I say hello, and then I'm looking to get taps put on my shoes, and then I called before and that my name is Lindsay. The guy did not know what I was talking about, and although he could speak some English, Spanish was definitely his first language, so he was like, Espanol? And I shamefully said, no. 
So he asked me to look it up on the internet, so I pulled up a picture of tap shoes on Google. Specifically, the underside of the tap shoe, so you actually see the tap where it is installed on the shoe. The man still looked extremely confused on what I was requesting. So I took it upon myself to go into full-blown charades mode and provide Lord of the Dance moves fucking river dancing or some shit to illustrate the service that I was requesting. But as soon as I took my first little hop on my tap shoe charade, I realized that I'm in the middle of this business fucking fake tap dancing with my tennis shoes on. And I immediately stopped. So he got the idea. The message was received. So we asked if he could take a photo of the tap shoes on my phone so we could send it to someone else to see if they even provided that kind of service. He assured me that he would text me and he asked for my cell phone number and said he would text me with a response whether or not they could put taps on my shoes. Well, that was about a week and a half ago and I still haven't heard from him. So I'm gonna guess that they don't install taps on shoes. So I had to ship my shoes to my mom in New Orleans and she is going to take them to a cobbler there who for sure can install tap shoes lickety split because that is a very common thing there. I also had to get my grays covered. I have mixed feelings about hair coloring and going gray. Like in my perfect, confident, non-self-conscious, not caring what people think way, I would just let my hair go gray. I think there are so many people who rock the fuck out of that look. I mean, it's almost like you would be a Targaryen. I was born in the year of the dragon, so that would make some sense. I have always had a very complicated relationship with my hair. I have textured 3A curly hair. And for the longest time, meaning almost my entire life, and really up until like nine months ago, I was wearing my hair straight almost exclusively. Now, I actually don't think I've straightened my hair in like nine months. And my hair has been thanking me because straightening my hair for so long caused significant heat damage. And at this point, I'm trying to grow out that damage. It feels exciting because I'm embracing my natural hair, but it's been a challenge for me. Like one of the first salon experiences I had when I was like seven was so terrible. So I got a haircut that was kind of short and right past the ears. And the woman doing my hair went to blow dry it. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. It didn't look like anyone else around me, including my family. I'm the only person in my immediate family with curly hair. So I've never learned how to take care of it until recently. That was another example of how I internalize things. Because I would rather not hurt the hairdresser's feelings and not tell her that I don't like it. And I didn't. I didn't tell her that I didn't like it. But I actually fucking hated it. And I immediately burst into tears when I got into the car. It was hard for me growing up, too. I remember I went to a friend's house to swim. And, you know, after you swim, you would shower. And she had this outdoor shower. And there were products out there for shampoo and conditioner. And I remember that she told me that I was using too much conditioner on my hair. But I, like, had to use a lot of fucking conditioner. Especially because I was using, you know, shampoo that probably wasn't the best for my hair. And it would often not feel soft and it would feel rough. So I would use a lot of conditioner. And she was like, you're using too much conditioner. I'm like, bitch, you do not know my struggle. We are not the same. Even now, it's taken me so much trial and error with products to find a shampoo and a conditioner that I really like. And a styling cream. 
is this boring of me talking about my hair? It is literally something that I think about every single day. I feel like I'm taking care of it, and it really looks better than it ever has. I was talking to my daughter the other day, and she said that she does not even recall me having curly hair at all when she was growing up. I can see the damage in my hair. I can see where the damage is. And I kind of try to equate my hair growth with my personal growth, meaning that it takes time to grow your hair out, and it's a commitment. You have to take care of it. It's a daily practice. So I try to remember that my personal growth and my inner growth is like my hair and that it will also take time to heal and that in order to heal, my daily practice needs to include self-care. Okay, I'm going to stop talking about my hair. Man, I hope part two of Salt Lake City Housewives is really good. I haven't watched it yet. Heather delivered that information on the finale so beautifully, which makes me wonder at what point did everyone know that Monica was part of Reality Von Teese. I'm really hoping they go into that at the reunion because that was one of the best deliveries I've ever seen, which leads me to believe that it was maybe prepared and a little rehearsed. It didn't seem rehearsed, but it was so good that it makes it feel like it was rehearsed. I would love to do a closing argument in court and casually drop in to say, receipts, timelines, evidence, it's all there. And it's so generic of a phrase that if the jury didn't watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, then they wouldn't know that you're making a reference to that. And it would still totally work into the closing argument. But for the jury members who do watch Salt Lake City and are seeing an attorney give a closing argument, flawlessly integrating a Real Housewives reference into a closing argument with receipts, timelines, evidence, those jury members are voting for you. They are voting for you every damn time. I am very excited for the return of Queer Eye to Netflix for another season. There also is an extra excitement because Queer Eye decided to do another season in New Orleans. And the season that they already did was absolutely outstanding. Gosh, and the season where the Fab Five went to Austin was also very enjoyable to watch. My favorite episode on the Austin season was when the Fab Five gave a rancher a makeover. That episode gave me so much faith in humanity because the rancher was super conservative and had some preconceived ideas about the Fab Five. But they showed him so much love and kindness and even made a joke at the beginning and they were saying like, see, liberals can be fun. I just thought that was such a clever way to break the tension. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. There was one scene that really got to me. Don't get me wrong, every single episode has pulled at my heartstrings and made me cry like a little baby. But there was one scene where the Fab Five, it was actually Jonathan, he does the hair for everybody. He was doing the rancher's hair and giving him a haircut. Now Jonathan is non-binary, which refers to a term used to describe people who feel their gender cannot be defined within the margins of gender binary. Now, I know this is a concept that a lot of people grapple with, and I understand, but just because we don't understand something does not mean we still can't be respectful. And the rancher on that episode exhibited the most respect for Jonathan while getting his hair cut. I keep referring to this guy as the rancher just because I don't remember his name. But the rancher, coming from the most respectful place, because you could just hear it in the tone of his voice, he said, What is the respectful way to refer to you? And Jonathan very kindly explained that he is non-binary and also told the rancher, not to get too worried about the language because these terms 
And this kind of language really only developed within the past 10 years or so. I could be off on that timing, but that's an approximation. It may seem small, but it was so beautiful to see people from very different worlds, from very different backgrounds, speak to each other with such a level of respect and kindness. It gave me all the fucking feels, okay? Every time I watch Queer Eye, I think to myself, these people could run the fucking world. And I think maybe we should try and give them a chance. We should give them a chance to run the country and see how they do, because I bet they do better than anyone has done in years. We need an episode of Queer Eye where the Fab Five makes over the United States. I would watch that shit. Well, the next season will for sure be in New Orleans, and I think it comes out next week. I was sad, though, to see an article that the season was cut one episode short because of a carjacking. NOLA.com reported that five men in ski masks tried to carjack a vehicle while crew members of Queer Eye were unloading a car outside of a field production office in New Orleans. That is just so fucking unfortunate. The Fab Five literally changed people's lives. It makes me very sad to know that there is one person who did not get their makeover because of a fucking carjacking. I mean, there is a fucking problem when the DA gets carjacked. I know that change is slow, and I know that there have been some positive moves made, but I think we need to pick up momentum and just keep up that energy going in New Orleans. Because this kind of safety shit will definitely be a deterrence for other projects coming to New Orleans. And New Orleans is such a vibrant, energetic city. And it only needs to grow, not go backwards. I was watching the Twilight series while I was packing. I like having the TV on while I'm doing things around the house. I usually pick... I usually put on an old season of Housewives or Vanderpump Rules, but per usual, Bravo knows me better than I know myself and decided to air the Twilight series, which I happily put on. Y'all, I used to be so fucking into Twilight. When I first had Madison, I was pretty convinced that I was damaged goods and that I would never find a partner. I just didn't think anyone would want me. I did briefly have a boyfriend at the beginning of college, but that ended, and and I sort of took myself out the game. At that time, I had a bleak outlook on men. Until Edward Cullen came into my life. And honey, he awakened something in me that I didn't even know existed. I know that might sound silly, but it was real. It was real for me. So, the Twilight movie came out, I think, my sophomore year of college. And when I saw the movie, I was fucking hooked. Man, was I in. I bought all the books, and I read them fast as fuck. Have you ever gotten that feeling where you're, like, obsessed with a book and you can't put it down? That was me with Twilight. I stopped watching TV, and I just kept reading those books. I was so fucking in when it came to Twilight. I bought the Twilight perfume, Twilight t-shirt to sleep in, Twilight jewelry. The author Stephanie Meyer was writing a book called Midnight Sun, which is the Twilight book from Edward Cullen's perspective, and some douchebag accessed the working manuscript, so Stephanie Meyer went ahead and released the six chapters of the book and decided not to write it anymore. Well, your girl downloaded that shit off the internet and read that too. And yeah, it was fucking good. I'm a little disappointed that we will never get the full novel for Midnight Sun because some idiot hacked Stephanie Meyer's shit. Because the first six chapters were really good. Edward is so angsty. Oh my god, I even had two life-size cardboard cutouts of Edward Cullen. Not like two at the same time, but one for Twilight and one for New Moon. 
Kristen Stewart has been out of the news for a while, but I saw her on Watch What Happens Live recently, and she was so likable and seemed like she had a fucking blast. But, like, who wouldn't? It's Andy Cohen. It's Daddy. Y'all, I just had an embarrassing flashback. Uh, I think I sent an audition video to be in one of the Twilight movies. Wow. Uh, you know, I also sent in an audition video to be in Spring Awakening on Broadway. Who the fuck did I think I was? I was just out there shooting my shot. My love for Twilight killed my Sony Vio laptop because I watched it so many times on sketchy websites. I saw the first Twilight movie at least 10 times in theater. I think I told y'all this before, but I paid to see Twilight so many times that I felt I was owed free admission here and there. And it's not like the security was tight at the local movie theater in Starkville, Mississippi. Man, they used to show these like scared straight advertisements before the actual previews to the movie started. I remember there was one particularly triggering commercial. So I used to have a movie ritual. I would get the exact same snacks every single time I went to the movie theater. I would get a hot dog with cheese, onions, mayo, mustard, and ketchup. Sometimes a little relish if I was feeling adventurous. If I had someone with me who wanted popcorn, I would certainly eat popcorn, but I'm not really too fond of movie theater popcorn. I like butter popcorn, particularly the one brand from Target. So, I usually wouldn't get popcorn at the movie theater. Plus, the hot dog satisfied the savory craving. I would also get the candy of all candies, bunch of crunch. Fuck, I'm getting hungry. To top off my movie theater order, I would get, yup, you guessed it, a large frozen Coke. So one day I'm sitting in the theater, ready to see Twilight. I was with a friend, but she wasn't in the theater yet. I was settling into my seat and start diving into my snacks. Because you want to open your snacks before the movie starts so that you don't crinkle the paper and bother everybody. And the local advertisements prior to the movie previews began. There were usually like a three of these scared straight ads that played, but I only remember one. It was an ad where a boy was on a couch with a girl. I, they were teenagers, and she puts her hand on his leg, and he has like a vision uh, like a flash forward of him sitting on the phone to his friends who want him to go out. And he delivered a line that I'll never forget and I've always wanted to use. He goes, I can't come out. I have a baby now. Bum, bum, bum. So I'm sitting in this movie theater trying to have a little escapism with angsty teenage vampires. And I got to sit through an anti-teen pregnancy advertisement in Starkville, Mississippi. Every time that ad came on, I was very grateful that I was in a dark movie theater because my face got real hot and red and I felt like a wave of shame come over me. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, this is fucking great. And I just take a deep breath and start eating my hot dog. I was just trying to enjoy some fucking vampires in peace, okay? Now that I watch Twilight, it is so fucking corny, but I still love it. I think I should go ahead and give a big thank you to anyone and everyone who went to, with me to see the Twilight movies. If you went with me to see the Twilight movies, you may be entitled to compensation. Please text me at 504-224-9919 to learn more. So when I got my driver's license here, I also registered to vote. I've always felt like my vote really didn't matter all that much, but it's going to matter this year in Florida. At least, I think it is. Because... Enough signatures have been secured for Florida to vote on a constitutional amendment to ensure abortion rights before viability. 
So this is great to me. Surprise, surprise, I'm pro-choice. Currently, Florida has a 15-week abortion ban, which I believe is about to be replaced with a six-week abortion ban. Here's something that has been proven time and time again. Bans don't work. They only put the banned activity underground, which then compromises safety. I don't think anyone should be forced to have a child. Obviously, my situation turned out fantastic and I'm very grateful, but I'm also privileged and had a lot of help that other people don't have. So something that is such a major life change, such as having a child, is something that you should have control over under reasonable circumstances. I read an article that many groups have challenged the amendment being put on the ballot even though nearly one million Florida citizens voted in favor of the amendment on the ballot. Oh shit. I just remembered my role about not talking about politics. Okay, I'm almost done. I like this for several reasons. First, I think it's what is right for women. Second, it's democracy at its finest. If people want something on the ballot, then they do the work and they make that shit happen. I love that. Okay, enough politics. I am very late to the game on watching Shit's Creek, despite the show being a major success. To be fair, I tried to watch it several times because it was winning so many awards and people were just raving about it. And I heard so many people say, ew, David, and I had no idea what it meant. I still laughed though, so people didn't know that I didn't watch it. Each time that I previously tried to watch it, I just did not think it was funny. Like truly, I was like, what the fuck is all this hype about? But it wasn't Shit's Creek that was the problem. It was me. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I was in a really bad headspace and mindset when I tried to watch it originally, and I just couldn't get down with the lighthearted show that is Shit's Creek. Since I'm in a much, much, much better headspace, I decided to give it another whirl, and let me just say, I fucking love it. I also love airports, which I think I've explained before. It's like the one place where you can eat and drink at almost any time of the day. It's amazing for people watching because most people are drunk and almost everyone is on like a travel high. Traveling is one of the best educating experiences. Airports are also very, very dramatic. My mom used to watch this show about Southwest Airlines and I guess it was a show from the Southwest employee's perspective. And I'm sure I don't have to tell y'all, but the people show their asses when they are when they are traveling. Traveling with people is a really big deal. Like, if you have a Debbie Downer in the group, it can really affect the mood. I also have no idea why someone wouldn't get TSA pre-checked. It's only $85 and it's good for five years for all airports in the United States. I always feel like a super snob when I walk past the regular security line. I breeze on by, throw a peace sign in the air, maybe blow a kiss if I'm feeling extra bitchy. That cunty energy is quickly humbled though when I see someone coming through the clear line being escorted by a clear agent here to cut me in the TSA pre-check line. Those bitches come by shaking their ass, dancing, saying sucks to suck, bitch. I've never missed a flight in my life. I consider myself a very punctual person. There was only one time where I was like running for a flight home alone style. It was when me and my daughter and my dad visited the University of Miami. We decided we wanted a little snack before our flight and we went to a restaurant but ended up staying longer than intended. We also did not realize how far we were from our gate. 
we were cutting it so close that I looked at Madison and I was like, honey, give me your stuff and run to the gate and make sure they hold the plane. That's how concerned we were. So Madison takes off. She's the youngest and full of the most energy, so that's why she was designated as the runner. Well, she books it, and we aren't too far behind. We end up making it to the gate and realize that it's a stairway leading to some outside area. And after we had to power walk our little hearts out, we came to a full-on stop and had to wait in another line to get on the damn plane. So we hustled for no fucking reason. Let me tell you about my biggest issue with airports, and it's actually with all public restrooms. Forget about laws regarding who can use what bathroom. We need laws on mandatory hooks in public bathrooms. I don't need to explain to my lady listeners how difficult it is to pee in a public bathroom. It is especially difficult if you have a purse or a backpack. And every ounce of patience that is within your physical being is utilized when you need to use a public bathroom with little children. Kids say whatever the fuck they want. You're like trying your best to pee so you can get on with your business and your kid is like, Mommy, it stinks. Mommy, who's that lady? Mommy, I see your vagina. Like, moms with young kids are heroes. There's no other way of putting it. They are unappreciated, literal heroes. There's nothing like having to pee so bad and then realizing that you have nowhere to hang your purse. Nothing stops you in your tracks like getting yourself into a public bathroom stall and you have to piss like a motherfucking racehorse. And you are like about to burst. And you go to hang your purse and there is no hook in the stall for your purse. I wish it was as easy to pee for females as it is for males, but it's not. Mainly because our clothes seem to be extremely more restrictive than traditional male clothing. The most restrictive, humbling piece of clothing that I've ever worn is the jumpsuit, a.k.a. the culotte, a.k.a. the romper. I'm not a fan of the words culotte and romper. Hey, babe, can you get me my romper? Oh, shit, honey, my culottes are too tight. There was a point in time where I refused to wear a jumpsuit, not because I didn't think it was cute, but because it literally did not fit my body. It wasn't the size, it was the cut. Like it was almost as if my torso was too long. But last year, I bought myself a sweet little white jumpsuit. Yes, it was for my wedding weekend welcome reception, but whatever. I looked amazing and the jumpsuit fit great. I was dead inside, but I was giving life with my jumpsuit. If you find yourself dressed in a jumpsuit and in a public bathroom, you are, in, you are about to embark on a naked journey. There is no way to pee in a jumpsuit without taking off the entire thing. There's just no choice. You have to completely disrobe to accomplish the most basic human function of using the bathroom. Unless you're wearing a dress. If you're wearing a dress, peeing in a public bathroom is much, much easier. But if you have pants on, you have to adjust your legs just so so that your pants don't fall down on the bathroom floor. You can't come back from the bathroom floor. The damage is done. And it's even harder without having somewhere to hang your fucking purse. Because the bathroom floor is never an option for your purse. So you have to get creative. My go-to move is to hang my purse strap around my neck while I'm delicately balancing so I don't touch the seat. And then also arranging my legs in such a way so that my damn pants don't hit the bathroom floor. Again, if you're in a jumpsuit, there's no helping you. You're naked, and there's nothing you can do about it. You are naked and afraid, honey. 
even if you aren't naked, you are cursing whoever made the decision to not have a purse hook in the bathroom stall. Why is that not a law? This is the only bathroom law that is of any relevance whatsoever. I am sick. I am sick of it. We have reached the portion of our programming where I discuss my rich bitch tip of the week. We are really good in this country about working. That's the one thing we are pretty damn good about. We work, we hustle, we work even when we need a break, and we keep working. It's almost humorous how there's a negative perception of the millennial generation. When I was practicing full-time, I don't recall a vacation that I didn't work on. The closest thing I got to a noticeable break was when the work historically slowed down in December. And as I explained on a previous episode, the work when I resigned last December did not slow down and I was literally hurting myself trying to keep working instead of insisting on a break. Is it just me or do we as a society not have a steady state anymore? It could be because I wasn't an adult yet, but it used to feel like we would have a steady state of time where things would be in a relatively calm place. These days, it just feels like there are fires left and right 24 hours a day. That is not a sustainable life. We need to take breaks. We need to rest. That's my tip for you this week. Make sure you take breaks, not just throughout your day, but throughout your year, throughout your month, throughout your life. I think there should be a week off where everyone does like a little reset and it doesn't take away from your vacation time. But again, nobody asked me. That is it for episode 20 of The Rich Room. Damn, 20 fucking episodes, y'all. We are just trucking along. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow at The Rich Room Podcast. Leave us five stars everywhere you can. Maybe drop a cute little comment there too. Until next time.